Well, we had some great volunteers with this little project up here. You may not have seen it before, but inside this incredibly built wall, we have a city. And uh, I asked a couple of volunteers to build a wall around that city. And here's what I'm going to do to it. I'm not trying to be a jerk. It just comes naturally. How does that make you feel? Proverbs actually has something to say about this. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Here, our friends made such an effort to protect this city and build a wall. And when it's broken down, it just looks sad and pathetic. Now, I want to give us a little bit of a framework when uh, talking about self-control this morning. Now, the way that I see it, again, this is, uh, this is super basic, but the way that I see it, there's a narrow road of wisdom and righteousness. Within that, there is freedom, right? There are some actions and behaviors that may or may not be a sin according to your conscience and motive, There's a lot of rights and lefts within this road rather than rights and wrongs in that road. Now, it is possible to take some of those freedoms and constrict them so much that we're living in fear, which can be sin. On the other end of the spectrum, we can also take license with these um, these boundaries, which is also sin, if we use those freedoms to simply indulge ourselves in the momentary pleasures of the world that God warns us against, okay, that's sin. Doing that over and over can lead to unhealthy, sinful habits. Doing that, um, which in turn can lead sometimes to addictions. I know there's a lot more that goes into addiction. This is super basic but I I just want this as a framework for us to work with today. Wisdom is what keeps us in that realm of righteousness, using our freedom appropriately and to glorify God and enjoying life. One of the things that keeps us from moving too far to the right or too far to the left is self-control. Self-control, again, in the way that I see it, is essentially cutting off those roads that aren't moral options for us before we start heading down them or that we're cutting off roads that can easily lead to sin. Again, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. A lack of self-control leaves you exposed and vulnerable. It leaves you, well, out of control. It leaves you susceptible and able to be influenced by others, by situations, by temptations. I'll be honest that when we were putting together this sermon series of Proverbs, I'd, I'd put out a list of of topics, and this began thinking about addictions. 
However, the, the more that I got into it, the more that I was studying, it seemed like an addiction sermon would be pretty short. Hey, don't get addicted to stuff. Right? It would be short and honestly not very helpful because those that aren't addicted to something don't want to be and those that are feel like they can't get out of it. So what do you do with that? So it evolved over some time to a sermon on self-control because I think every single one of us in some area of life could use some self-control. Proverbs has a lot to say about self-control in a number of different areas. It has a lot to say about uh, control of our mouth, which we'll get to in a sermon about speech. It also has uh, a lot to say about control of our emotions, for instance, anger. Um, But what I want to focus on this morning are some of these actions and, and areas and behaviors that become very difficult without a good dose of self-control. I've listed just a few of them, either that Proverbs talks about or that just came to the top of my mind as I was thinking about this. Um, some, of the, some of the more obvious ones that are addressed in Proverbs are alcohol, sex, and food. We see those time and time again all throughout Proverbs. We have some unique ones in this day and age with our society i.e., say, social media. Um, And the interesting thing about this list, there are some things that we don't have to deal with. We We can avoid some of these things entirely, but not things like food or sleep. So there might be an element of self-control that allows us to avoid some of these entirely. There's another element of self-control where we need to navigate these. And we need to navigate them well and in a way that honors God. I wanted to go through a couple of sections of Proverbs. Now, not all Proverbs are these short, pithy statements like the one that we just read about self-control. That was two lines and we're done. We're on to another subject. There are some other areas of Proverbs that are more like stories. Longer versions, expanded versions, either of, of a, a situation, maybe kind of a vague situation, or, um, or just something, a story that gives us or gives the reader caution. This one in Proverbs chapter 23, uh, let me read this for you. It says, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has complaining, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes, those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart utter perverse things. You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on top, on the top of a mast. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. Some of the translation uh, is a little bit difficult in this passage, especially verse 31, but the overall message is super clear. This is a a description of someone who is controlled by alcohol. When it's red, when it 
sparkles in the cup. In other words, when it's enticing and tempting and assuredly alcoholic, they look and they drink. That's what they do. Now, I think everyone would agree that we don't want to get there. I don't think anybody sets out to become an addict of anything. But life is often a matter of degrees. And we need to walk carefully through it. And that's where wisdom comes in. That's where self-control comes in. How do, we, how do we walk through life making wise decisions about what to engage in, what to avoid entirely, and what to navigate carefully? So I want to give us a couple of principles. Uh, one from the book of Proverbs as a whole. Uh, we talked about this, I think, in the introduction sermon. And I think that the best pleasure is a byproduct of wisdom. I think that's one of the main themes of Proverbs, is get wisdom, and then all these other things will come along with that, that are enjoyable. Okay? God is not a cosmic killjoy. He is not out there looking to stamp out fun wherever it exists. He wants the best for you. And he knows how to get that for you. But our goal is not to seek pleasure just for pleasure's sake, but to seek God and enjoy doing it. There's a huge, huge uh, picture difference. So in these different areas that we just introduced that are typically associated with some at least possibility of unhealthy habits or addictions, I think we need to ask ourselves, why? Why? What's behind that? Do we drink socially because we can enjoy the fruit of someone's labor with some friends, or do we drink to escape life? Do we shop to provide for our family, or do we try and buy pretty shiny things to make us feel better about ourselves? What's behind that? What's the end? What's the profit in it? Are we pursuing something solely because we find some pleasure in it and can escape reality or because we can glorify God through it? Again, the best pleasure is a byproduct of wisdom. Now, speaking of the end result, I think this passage and the other one that I want to share with you today and many Proverbs beg us, literally beg us to keep the end in mind, which is where we need to begin. We need to begin with the end in mind. This passage implores us to consider uh, how this particular sin of indulging in too much alcohol ends up. It lays out the result very clearly. It bites, it stings, it affects your sight, your mind, your heart. You wind up dissociated from the world on a one-track mind to get another drink. Friends, let me, let me say this. This is something I heard a, a long time ago. And it has stuck with me ever since. We sin because we think it's worth it at the time. Let me say that again. We sin because we think it's worth it at the time. If I actually, truly calculated the cost 
of my poor decisions, I would have acted differently. Again, just speaking for myself, but maybe I'm not the only one. And yet some people operate in such a way that they they don't think through their actions. I've been there. (laughs) Just do whatever pops into your head. Do whatever you're invited to do. Whatever seems fun at the moment. And yet, that's not wisdom. We need to exercise some self-control and stop before we start down the wrong path. Speaking of other paths, Proverbs chapter 7 is almost an entire chapter on avoiding adultery. So let me just read most of these verses to get a good sense of a couple more principles that we'll go through in this. Proverbs chapter 7 says this, My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. To keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a man lacking sense. Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house, in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. We skip a few verses to 21. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast. Till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. So again, another another situation, another elongated, expanded proverb where there's little self-control exhibited. This young man, either because of his actions or prior to those actions, lacks sense. He's called simple, which again in Proverbs, according to the context, can either mean uh, ignorant or naive or purposefully foolish. And I think this passage highlights a couple of really interesting things about temptation. And one of them is... Um, Temptation's everywhere. Did you notice how uh, this woman is described? I I really think it's pretty fair to say that uh, temptation is kind of personified as this woman, just in general. Right, where it's described as her being in the street, in the market, at every corner. Other temptations are similar. They're everywhere. If your issue is alcohol or social media, where do you get away from that? It's everywhere. So we have to wake up every single morning expecting that and being prepared for it. The other thing I think this this passage, and again many other Proverbs, talks about is this concept of walking on the edge. 
I think Proverbs invites us to step back from the edge. You probably know people who, are, who just live their life right here. And sooner or later, what happens? You're going to fall. Again, I think Proverbs invites us to carefully, with thought, step back from the edge. Now, there's a, there's a concept in, uh, in Judaism, a, a word for this. It's called a kumra. It's a more stringent practice of the law. Uh, in my understanding, it comes from uh, Deuteronomy 28, uh, 22, 8, that says, when you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house if anyone should fall from it. So it's this, it's this idea of stepping back from that edge. Build a little wall, build a parapet, a hedge around that so that you don't sin. That was the idea. That was the, that was the thrust of it. I'm not exactly sure when that word came into use, um, but the practice was certainly in existence when Jesus came. One of the great examples of this would be observance of the Sabbath. So, so initially God said, keep the Sabbath holy, don't work on the, on the seventh day. And I think as Israelites, they were like, okay, here's, that's the line. I don't want to cross it. I don't want to sin. Let's step back from it. Let's figure out, let's figure out what work is, right? How, what do I need to do to, to cross that line of work? And then we'll, we're going to come back from that. Now, in and of itself, that's not a bad thing. And yet, by the time Christ came, the parapet, the hedge, the wall was the law. So we need to be careful when we're doing that. Because this is a sermon about self-control, not about controlling others. There's nothing wrong with the principle of a kumra. There's nothing wrong with you saying, I'm going to step back from that and take a more stringent view of the law. Yes, I may be able to use my freedom in this area, but maybe it's not wise for me to. For us. Right, if three drinks might make us a little tipsy, yeah, stick with two. Or one, or none. But if we say, I never have more than one drink and neither should you, well then we're in danger of legalism. We're in danger of trying to control others instead of focusing on what decisions for us would glorify God the most and help our relationship the most. Again, on the other end of the spectrum, if we take a less restrictive view of the law, you know, if, if we can walk that edge, maybe that's okay for you, but we do need to consider others in our actions. We don't want to invite them other people to sin by our actions. Otherwise, we end up becoming a stumbling block. 
Ah, don't be such a teetotaler. One drink isn't going to kill you. Right? We have, we have a responsibility to ourselves to make wise decisions and use self-control. And we have a responsibility to be aware of how our decisions and actions affect others. Point being, followers of Jesus might differ somewhat in their actions. That's just part of life and following God. Wisdom would encourage us to be cautious and prudent when it comes to our own decisions and for those that, are, that we're responsible for as far as how close to the line we walk. But let's live graciously with one another, graciously allowing others to live their lives of freedom and graciously approaching them if it looks like they're crossing or about to cross the line. Again, not your line, but God's line. If we do that in love, that is exactly how community is supposed to work. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. If we, if we looked at that list before of some of these potentially problematic areas, and we identified one that maybe we struggle with a little bit, we need a game plan, or maybe more accurately, a road map for success. Proverbs is very much about paths or roads. Uh, one way to look at, at wisdom or the, the book of Proverbs is that it describes a series of forks in the road. And it tells you which one to take. You either go to the left or you go to the right. One of them is wicked, one of them is righteous. Another way to look at the whole book of Proverbs and wisdom is about staying on the straight and narrow road. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 25 to 27 says this, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So this view of Proverbs looks at evil as everything on either side of this wise road. It's this uh, kind of framework that, that prompted uh, this worksheet that I did for a class quite a while ago. Uh, all of us had to, had to come up with some roadmap, some game plan for how to deal with uh, something that we struggled with. I've used this before, so some of you may have already seen it, but tools don't have to change if they work. Uh, there haven't been very dr- dramatic improvements to the shovel. Um, but the, the issue that I was addressing was sexual purity. Uh, that was that was something um, is something that I struggle with uh, in my life, and so we're going to use that as an example. Um, but I would encourage you to to put whatever that is that struggle is for you in its place. But let me just walk you through what it looked like to come up with a roadmap, a game plan uh, for how to deal with this. At the top, have an overarching idea, right? This is what it's all about, and for me, it was very helpful to frame it in terms of a question, right? I didn't want to put, don't sin. Because what do we do with negative commands? If I said, don't look under your chair, what are you going to want to do? You're going to want to look under the chair. Okay, so that doesn't really work. I also didn't want something just sort of vague and positive like, be pure. 
All right, what does that mean? So for me, it was helpful to ask the question, how pure does a pastor need to be? Now, all Christians are supposed to be pure. But again, for me, it seemed like it was helpful to be cognizant of that extra level of responsibility. Uh, Not only for uh, the rest of the church, but also, if I go down the wrong road, I lose my job. Like, it's over. And so, um, again, that that helps me. Also, the, the form of a question begs an answer. So if that's what you're thinking about, well, how, how pure do I really need to be? How pure does a pastor need to be? Man, sometimes, just by asking the question and attempting to answer it, you can be through the temptation already. At the, uh, at the bottom, I had uh, some direction signs, much like speed limit or road description signs. I remember that was maybe a couple months ago. I was in Puyallup getting from one freeway onto another freeway with a big heavy truck with an unstable load uh, coming around this clover leaf. And I remember vividly seeing a couple of signs, 25 miles an hour, sharp curve. As I'm going around that, right, it was raining, roads were wet. I just remember uh, distinctly thinking, man, they really knew what they were talking about. If I were going faster, I would have a really hard time staying on the road. So those signs were there to help me stay on the road and be safe. So I came up with three signs for me. Uh, One says daily time with God. The other says loving actions towards Linda. That would be my wife. And the third is accountability. And I figured if if I was focusing daily on my relationship with God, if I was actively loving my wife, which in turn makes me feel in love with her more. That's the way it works. You choose love, then you feel love. And if I had some other people in my life who can hold me accountable, hold my feet to the fire, ask me the tough questions, it's not a guarantee, but it's a pretty good sign that I'm going to stay on that road. And off to the left, I have what I called soft shoulders. Now, this is a little bit more of the negative side, um, just things to be very careful. Uh, any drivers out there, you know what I'm talking about. There are some soft shoulders, gravel, mud, where if you get one tire off there, you're going to be in a ditch. And so for me, some of my soft shoulders were, uh, were things, activities, movies. I love movies, but there's a lot of trash out there. Even looking through Netflix at some of the thumbnails can get your mind going in places that it shouldn't. Okay, so I always need to be careful around movies. There was a, a, a state, being alone. Right, sin loves isolation and darkness. So if I'm alone, it's just a mindset of Oh, maybe I won't get caught. So I need to be careful when I'm alone. Uh, Places. For me, the gym. 
right? For fairly obvious reasons, people wear less clothes in the gym. So I need to be careful when I'm in the gym. And also emotions. For me, frustration or anger is one of those soft shoulders that can pull me off pretty quickly because we talked about this in the marriage sermon. When we, when we think we deserve something, that's a, that's a bad route that we're taking. And so if I'm frustrated and angry in a situation and want to escape it, that can lead me down uh, some difficult roads. So that's just one example of how to uh, create a roadmap um, for some of these different challenging areas. As with all of our, our sermons in the book of Proverbs, well, we, we always want our sermons to be applicable. Um, but Proverbs just lends itself so naturally uh, to a bunch of different application challenges that we always want to leave you with a few. Uh, so let me go through these with you. Here are some options for you this week or just in life. Uh, one, if you're wired this way, uh, this can be a really interesting activity. Uh, write a biblical position paper on an issue. Um, I ended up doing this, again, for an assignment. Sometimes you kind of need to be forced to do this, right? Um, but I did this with alcohol. Um, so maybe I just wanted to justify the position that I held at the time, but it was a really interesting project. Searched through every single scripture that had anything to do with alcohol, um, got some other resources on it, and came up with a position that I can hold, a theological position and personal position um, for that. It's, just a, it's a very interesting exercise because it does help you to focus on what God says about it. All of us has, have all sorts of baggage and things that other people have told us that we believe. So don't just take what, let me say this carefully, don't just take what mom or dad told you. Don't just take what a pastor told you. Don't just take what your friends say. Look at what God has to say. Use other people, absolutely. Listen to your parents, right? Listen to your friends. But it's most important what God says. Uh, here's another one. Um, this, is a, this was another assignment that I had to do. Um, we all, for a class, had to list out all of the pos- possible consequences of adultery. All of them. Think through every single thing. So, you know, list out all of the possible consequences of sin. This goes back to the idea of we, we sin because we think it's worth it at the time. So at the end of that assignment, not that I was considering it, but the, at the end of the assignment, when I have 90-some for sure or possible devastating consequences of that, there's no possible way that I can justify any step on a road towards that. You just can't. Another one would be uh, kind of in the area of accountability. Let one person know an area where you lack self-control. As I've said before, sin loves isolation and darkness, so bring that out into the light. Remove some of that power that sin might have on you when you bring it out and expose that. Along those same lines, um, ask a person or, or maybe a community group to provide some accountability in an area. 
And then the last one that we threw down for you is, is create a roadmap. I have some handouts if you want them at the back table. Um, choose one of those areas and, um, and create a roadmap for an area that you might struggle with. Here's what I want for you. I want you to live lives of self-control where you choose and own wise life choices. This goes especially for youth. Right? Own those things. Don't have the mindset of, oh yeah, my parents won't let me do this. No, own it. Own it. Say, nope. I'm not going to do that because it's not good for me. Own it. And that goes for all of us, too. We need to own those decisions. Don't be like, well, God won't let me do this. No, own it. I want the best, so I'm going to choose this path. And what I also want, and I want to be very careful, because even, even the title of this sermon about self-control, it's not really entirely about the self, is it? God is absolutely central. Staying on the road of righteousness isn't just a matter of rules and self-control. It's situational. Living a life of freedom requires reliance on the Holy Spirit. It really does. We have the Bible, and that makes a lot of things really clear. And we desperately need the Holy Spirit to make right choices in the things that are clear. Because it's not easy. And we also desperately need the Holy Spirit in some of those gray areas to guide us. The gift of the Holy Spirit that God delights in giving us begins in belief in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the most self-controlled man, period. And the same spirit that Christ lived by is the same spirit that God gives those who have faith in him. And if there's anyone who is walking that edge of belief... That's the one area where I would say, don't step back from that. Step fully over that edge into belief.